Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Pint Size Stories. I'm your host, Justin. So for any first-time listeners, this is a podcast where I have a guest over to the apartment for a pint of homebrew or craft beer and have them tell their favorite true personal story. It can be of any theme they like, funny, sad, scary, whatever, and from any point in their life too. After their story, we'll chat about different things, such as why the story was important to them and what kind of impact the story had on who they are. All of this over a pint of tasty beer. For this episode, I'm joined by one of my favorite people in Seattle, Ian Ford. Let's get to it. Okay, so I'm here with Ian Ford. Ian, how's it going, man? Going all right. How are you doing, Justin? Pretty good, dude. Uh, it's gonna be a good, uh, good Friday night tonight. I feel like. I hope so. Yeah. Although this, uh, the listeners will not be hearing this on Friday night, but I uh, hope you all had a good weekend. Uh, but yeah, cool. So uh, today we are drinking a new, new keg of homebrew that I just uh, put on. Uh, brewed this about three weeks ago or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about 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 three weeks. Uh, and this is a red rye pale ale. Uh, I have named it Ryton, uh, as in rye. I got, you know, those uh, beer puns are on point. <laughs> uh, the song uh, is actually also called Right On by the Moon Invaders, uh, and they, like, do some really awesome, like, uh, traditional ska stuff out of Belgium. But the leads, yeah, I wait, it's weird, right? So, like, they're out of Belgium. I was just making a look on my face. Yeah, 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 you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Uh, they're out of Belgium, but the lead singer is, like, born and raised from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So, it, like, you, you listen to him, and, it like, you wouldn't think they're from Belgium. But, yeah, like, all the rest of the members are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, it's, like, an awesome song. Um, and I think it, like, also has the same, same uh, rye pun name that I like. But uh, I'm pretty happy with how it came out, like, 6.5%. Just like a super basic uh, pale ale, nothing. I feel like it's a good like transition beer from like uh, winter to spring. Is it that strong? Yeah, six and a half percent. It's really drinkable. I you know I was saying earlier that it's um, that it's pretty crisp. Yeah. Um. So like it goes down really easy. It's kind of refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I wanted. Something like to drink in like during the springtime and not like have it be super pale ale. It's not you know it's not summer yet. It's still. It still gets a little chilly and, and rainy here in Seattle, so it's you know not quite not quite there yet. But uh, cool, man. So you uh, want to hop into your story? Uh, yeah. So the story I was going to tell was about when I was um, it's been eleven or twelve, and uh, I went away to camp for a week, and um, it was it was interesting. It was not a typical camp. Uh, what was interesting about it was that it was a camp for uh, like at-risk youth. Basically, oh, okay. So not um, not summer camp for fun times. No, not exactly. Like I never, I never had like a summer camp experience prior to that. I had never been to like uh, in. I think in uh, a lot of places they have like sixth grade camp. It's like a sleepaway camp where mm-hmm. uh, all the like sixth graders go away for a week. And um, I think because my family had moved around quite a bit uh, when I was younger, I just never landed in one place long enough to participate in that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or like I was in the wrong. You know, I, I think I maybe had moved somewhere before it happened one place yeah, and to a city off. where it had already happened. Yeah, timing was always off. Yeah, so um, so I never made it in any, any of those things. But um, this was, like, my one uh, my one camp experience. It was really strange. Um, the, so what what had kind of happened was um, I was – I actually had to call my uh, my older sister and my older brother today to confirm whether this happened in um, 
in Oregon or in California. I, I couldn't remember because we'd moved a lot. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it was in California. We were living in Valencia at the time, which is... Um, if you've ever been to California, that's where Six Flags Magic Mountain is. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. It's uh, it's right outside of L.A. County, um, uh-huh. just a little ways north. And uh, my family lived there for about two years. Uh, my first year there, um, we had basically, like, we had moved to Oregon... Um, Two years prior, lived there for two years, and then moved back to California. And uh, it wasn't like the last move we were going to do, but uh, moving around a lot as a kid had been like a weird experience for me. Yeah, and, difficult, I bet. Yeah, and um, I, like in addition to that, like the reason I was living with my mom and that side of my family was because like my dad had died. And uh, so like I was going through some weird shit as a kid. And, like, my major coping strategy, I think, was to just be, like, a, a little smart-ass class clown <laughs> um, and to just, like, disrupt everything around me as much as possible. Yeah. Um, so I was always, like, being a little shit in class and... Acting out. Yeah, like, totally, totally fucking acting out. Um, so when uh, when we moved to Valencia, um, I don't know if you had anything like this when you were going to, uh, to school, but we had these sort of, like, monthly uh, sessions in class where... Um, like the uh, a police officer would come to the classroom and they oh. would give us like instruction in like the dare program. Oh wow! Uh, I vaguely remember some stuff like that happening, but it wasn't a regular thing. It was like it happened like once a year or like once every other year, and they would come and like give some. If you're lucky, you got a shirt. Um, right, right. Yeah, yeah. But that's it. Was never like a an, like a big thing for us. For me, yeah, I, I want to say that, you know, we had these meetings like once a month or so where like, wow. you know, uh, like an in-uniform officer would come to the classroom and, uh, you know, we would just talk about saying no to drugs and shit mm. like that. Um, and, you know, I like I've always had a really sort of like cynical, dark sense of humor. So like, <laughs> and, you know, and I was like a, a smart alcohol little shit, too. So. Um, I wouldn't tone that down when, like, the police officer would show up. Like, it didn't occur to me, like, perfect. this isn't the time to joke around about using drugs. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, I would just continue my shit. And, I, you know, I didn't think anything of it because, like, I didn't didn't take anything seriously, you know, um, no more than I do now. Um, So, you know, I would just kind of screw around whenever we had these dare meetings. And then um, spring break or something, it might have been summer break, rolled around. And I guess, uh, like, through the dare program, they had this... Uh, additional extracurricular thing where either I, I don't know if it was like the local police station or something um, sponsored students to go to this like at risk youth camp and the idea was that like the school would identify kids who either A were involved in gangs or B were involved with drugs or were like at risk for becoming involved with gangs or drugs Wow. Um, and I got singled out uh, like I was the kid in my school uh, who got sent to this camp uh-huh. Uh, it wasn't like me and classmates of mine. It was just me. Just you. No one else from your Yeah, school. yeah. It was just me, right? Wow. So, like, they singled me out. Um, I still remember, too, like, going to the information session before I went to this camp. Uh, like, you know, the school sent my parents some, like, paperwork saying, like, hey, you know, we have this great opportunity. We think it's going to be good for your kid. Like, we're going to send them to this camp, and we're going to set your kid right. Like, we're going to fix it. Wow. Them, basically. Uh, and I, I remember, like, I attended this session... Uh, you know, we went to uh, to some some place, and um, they sat all these parents down, and they played like a, a cassette for everybody, showing them like what what the camp's going to be like, and mm-hmm. what your kids going to learn there, and like what kind of experience they're going to have. And I remember like the moment we walked in, I was telling my mom like, "No way am I going to this. Like, I'm not doing this." Mm-hmm. And I was telling her the whole time like, "No way, no way, no way," and she just laughed the entire time, and <laughs> and I got sent right. 
so they sent me to this camp, and um, like I said, I had never been to any kind of camp before. Mm-hmm. Like I had no camping experience. I, it wasn't camping either, right? It was like A-frame lodges, and okay. I mean, we were in the mountains, but um, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any background with this, and it wasn't even something I was interested in, right? Like yeah. even, even if it had been like a legitimate <laughs> camp, a non like at risk youth camp, I yeah. would not have been interested in that. <laughs> um, you know, but I got I got sent there, and um, when I arrived, the the first thing that they did was they divided us all into our cabins, and uh, each cabin was identified. Uh, like, they gave us all baseball caps, and each cabin was identified by the color of their baseball camp. Oh. Which is, like, a really weird idea when yeah. you have all these kids with, like, gang affiliations. Ex- yeah, that's And you, like, exactly send them to the mountains, to. and you give each kid, like, his color, like, oh as soon God. as he shows up. Well. So I was in the light blue cabin. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I picked you for a light blue kind yeah, of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, like, light blue, dark blue, white, red, green. Jeez. I can't remember what the other colors were. And then the camp was subdivided. Uh, there was, like, a, a boy side of the camp and a girl side of the camp, mm-hmm. too, right? Because there were, like, at-risk girls there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they, like, they segregated us into, into these cabins. And uh, anytime you're outside of the cabin, you had to wear your, your, you know, your colored cap or whatever so you could be identified. And um, they, you know, we kind of, we spent a week, like, engaged in um, what I guess are probably pretty typical sort of, like, youth camp activities. You know, we did, like, mountain biking and we did, uh, we shot BB guns. Like, I'd never shot a BB gun before. <laughs> you know, like, my stepfather owned guns and BB guns and I had never shot one before. But, like, I went to this camp. And they put a BB gun in my hand. Wow. And like shoot at these cans. It was great. Um, we did archery. We did swimming. We did uh, hikes. We did all kinds of crazy shit. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, sort of like overlaying all of this was this weird sort of like recognition that every kid there was kind of fucked up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like in my cabin, um, we there was like a, a sort of array of different ages. Uh, you know, I was like I must have been twelve at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was on the younger end of the spectrum. I think there might have been one kid there who was younger than me. And there were quite a few kids there who were older than me. Like, the, the two oldest kids in my cabin, I think, were 16 and 15. Okay. So they're still under 18. It was still... Yeah, yeah still yeah. still under 18. But, you know, like, when you're 12, a 16-year-old is, like, way older Yeah, than and they're, like, practically an adult, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, my brother was 16, you know? Uh-huh. So And he was, like, the most present adult figure in my <laughs> life at the time. Uh-huh. So, like, uh, yeah, like, a 16-year-old is, like, totally an adult. And then in addition to, like, all the other members of your cabin, each cabin had a, um, a sort of, like, a monitor, which was just to say, like, uh, another adult who was there and who just kind of kept you in line. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, that, the monitor's job was kind of, like, be around you when you were doing group activities and also to, like, sleep in the cabin with you and make sure you didn't kill each other or whatever it was. That, yeah. Whatever it was these kids were going to do, right? Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, like, my cabin, um, we, you know, I didn't... I like I wasn't at that age like I wasn't involved with drugs and I was not involved with gangs. I wasn't involved with anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had a bad attitude and I was just like a fucking smartass. Yeah. Um, but like some of the other kids in my cabin were involved with gangs and were involved with drugs. Wow. And the like there there emerged a hierarchy within the cabin really quickly uh, from like the oldest kids down to the youngest, right? Mm-hmm. And the oldest kid was this like sixteen year old dude named Kevin. Uh, Kevin was like this tall, lanky black dude, and he immediately like started organizing us into his little gang, right? <laughs> and he like started assigning people like you know gang names and shit, and talking about Holy like what shit, we were gonna dude. do as a gang. And we started like identifying other cabins that we weren't down with, uh, who we, we had shit with for various reasons. 
Uh, so Kevin, right, uh, his name within our little cabin gang mm-hmm. was Crazy K. <laughs> right? <laughs> Crazy did you, K. Did you have a cool name? Uh, you know what? I don't, I don't, uh, like, I wasn't given a cool name. Like, I was at one point asked if I wanted a cool name. Uh-huh. And you know the funny thing about this is that, like, when we were younger, my older brother had, like, bragged about being involved with gangs, even though I'm sure, like, I'm sure he wasn't. Yeah, just talking. Right? Just but talking I remember, you know, I used to stalk him around as a little kid. And, you know, like, when we moved to Oregon to impress people, he'd be like, yeah, I was in a gang in California. You know, some <laughs> bullshit. And he said that his gang name was Cornflake. <laughs> That's not cool. That's, uh, it's not cool. That's not cool. It's not cool. Not, a lot of the gang names weren't cool, but like no. I, but I like latched on. I was like, yeah, I'll be cornflake. Like I decided, like yeah, Andre thinks it's cool. Like I'm sure it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so I went with that. There was like a, there's a tiny little dude whose name uh, who was Casper. Um, <laughs> not a friendly ghost. Not a friendly ghost. Uh, there was a kid who set, slept in the bed next to me whose name was uh, who went by Red Five. Red uh, five because like every day he wore this red shirt with like the number five on it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Real straight to the point. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, not, not a lot of thought went. Him. Not a lot of thought went into this. Um, but uh, you know, like we we organized ourselves in this way, and it, it sounds kind of silly, except that like there were uh, like legitimate weird activities that we engaged in. Like one night, I think like five nights into the the time that we were there, mm-hmm. we waited for like the the counselor in the cabin to pass out in his like coffin sleeping bag. And we snuck out of the cabin to march over to one of the other cabins where, like, our rival, you know, our rival oh gang cabin God. was because, like, we were anticipating going over there to fight them, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, that was what we were told. Like, yeah, we're going to go over we're going to kick their asses, you know. Not given any reason, like, you know, well, why should we? <laughs> no, because, like, they wear <laughs> white we hats do. and we wear blue hats. Yeah, yeah. That's why. Oh, you know, and, like, we went out there and, like, nobody nobody came out to fight us. Like, you know, it was, it was this little farce. But, like, uh-huh. we, you know, we went out and did that. Um and then even, like, towards the end of our time in the cabin, there was even a power struggle within my cabin gang, mm-hmm. uh, where there was this other kid, he was probably, like, the third oldest kid in the cabin, right? Like, the, the core of power was Crazy K and his, like, lieutenant, this other guy whose name, I, I can't remember what name this other guy went by, but he was, like, a, a second in age, I want to say. Okay. Like, the right-hand man, essentially. Yeah, kind, kind of, kind of. Um, and then there was, like, a third guy who also was pretty near their age. I think he might have been third oldest or maybe similar in age range and... Um, I, you know, I can't remember what name he went by either. All I remember is that he had, like, the, the biggest buck tooth. Like, just one tooth. Like, <laughs> one big tooth sticking out of his mouth. Um, and he, at some point, he decided, like, he was not content with the rule of Crazy K. Uh-huh. And he wanted to, like, basically take over the cabin. And Crazy K caught wind of this and, like, was not, not cool with yeah, this. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, so, like, on one of the last days that we were there, like, second to last day, maybe, something like that, uh, somehow we got away from our, our supervisor. Like, I think we had just finished eating or something, and we were able to wander back up to our cabin, and no one else was there. And Crazy K and his second-in-command just started beating the shit out of this kid. Just, like, viciously attacking him. Yeah. Right? And they, like, threw him on the side of the safe frame house, and they're just, like, beating the shit out of him. And we're all, like, you know, we're all in the gang. We're all just standing around watching, like, not doing anything about it. We're uh-huh. like, yeah, yeah, this is this is probably okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, but, yeah, so the the whole experience was, was, um, was really weird. And, uh, you know, it only lasted for about a week. Um, okay. a, a lot of it was, like, pretty wholesome, right? Like, uh, every night. Um, the entire camp would have to gather around a fire and like this asshole guy who led the camp this like asshole counselor would play a a wild thing on his acoustic guitar and make everybody (laughs) sing along to every night dude (laughs) every fucking night that would probably get old really quick oh man it was old the first night yeah (laughs) oh it got so old yeah Um, 
yeah um i don't i don't know but uh you know as a result of that the funny thing is is like i didn't really you know like i said i didn't have any sort of background with this sort of shit before i went in Mm -hmm. and uh you know it's like i didn't i didn't do anything really awful while i was there but um I, even before that, I had had this sort of, like, fucked up notion of cool, and, like, my notion of cool was all built around rebellion. Yeah. And all built around, like, not taking orders and, like... Fighting authority uh, and... Yeah, fighting yeah. authority and, you know, just, like, saying fuck you to whoever is telling you what to do, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from a very young age, I don't know where I got this from exactly, but from a very young age, I understood that, like, the cool thing to do... It's to do your own thing. Yeah. And not in a, like, be true to yourself kind of way, but in a, like, fuck you, <laughs> authority kind of way, like, yeah, like you're yeah. saying. Um, you know, so it's, like, coming out of this, uh, I felt like, I don't know if I felt like it gave me credibility or something like that, but, like, within a year of this experience, like, I was drunk for the first time, I was stoned for the first time. Wow. Um, I remember, I think, I got offered crystal meth for the first time when I was, like, 12, shortly after this experience. I didn't well. do it. You know, but I got offered to it because, like, somebody thought that I would be down for that. So, essentially, like, the completely opposite uh, expectation of what they want of, from you coming out of that, that kind of program is to, like, you know, for students coming out, don't be, you know, they don't want to do drugs anymore. They don't want to get involved with gangs. It had the complete opposite uh, impact on you then. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because, like, in my, in my, like, shithead little 12-year-old brain, I think I felt like I was legitimized or something. You know, like, yeah. I felt like, uh, well, like, like, oh, yeah, like, I am, like, some tough little thug kid now because, like, they think I'm a drug dealer, and they send me here because they think they're going to fix yeah. me, and, like, I have my little cabin gang. Yeah. Well, like, I would imagine it would, like, it normalized that, like, psychologically, it, like, normalized that behavior to you when, like, everyone around, uh, everyone around you is, like, yeah, we're in a gang, like, Big K is, like, you know, leading the pack or whatever, and, like, maybe, like, normalize that, like, that, those kind of behaviors, and where you come out and be like, oh, yeah, I know how to do this now, like... Totally, totally. Yeah. In a way, I think it did. Um, you know, and I think it, like, it led me to even have, like, weird interactions with other kids after the fact. I remember, um, I had these friends, uh, you know, when I was still living in that area. I only lived in that area for two years. Like, this happened in the first year I lived in that, uh, in, in Valencia. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, after that experience, like, I did end up, uh, like I said, getting stoned for the first time, for example, right? Mm. And I was, like, 12 years old, and I thought I was fucking cool. You know, I thought I was really fucking cool because I'd gotten stoned. <laughs> and um, I told some friends of mine, you know, uh, at, at the time, like, yeah, you know, like, I've smoked pot before. Like, no big deal. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was going to, like, I thought they were going to think that was cool. And they did not think that was cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, my friends uh, at the time, they did not think that was cool. They were, like, very concerned. Were they, like, uh... Would you, like, classify them as, like, the, like, really good kids? Like, the, like... No, they were I wouldn't even classify them as the good kids because, like, we were all kind of hoodlums. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, we, we were all kind of, like, fuck-off kids anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we... Even they, like, used to start all kinds of... We got in all kinds of trouble together. Yeah. Totally. Uh, but for some reason, that was, like... That was another level at yeah. the time. And I don't think I could see the difference. Um, and I couldn't see why it wasn't cool. When my friends didn't think it was cool, I was yeah. really shocked. Oh, so did you, did like, did you stop smoking after, like, once you started seeing, like, oh, crap, my friends are, like, concerned about me, maybe I should, you know, rethink doing this, you know, this whole pot thing. Oh, uh, no, I mean, it's not, <laughs> that, that, I, did, it's not that I rethought it. I mean, yeah. like, it was isolated to begin with. Like, it wasn't something that I did all the time. It's something oh, okay. that I was exposed to and something mm-hmm. that, like, happened for me a couple times. And, um, you know, as a 12-year-old, especially, like, when you move around a lot. Uh, you know, I like I literally moved the next year to San Diego, um, oh, okay. and it's like I didn't show up in San Diego at like a, the age of thirteen or whatever looking for a pot hookup. 
you know, so I you didn't get that far down the line then. No, no, it. I like I remained mostly straight laced for years. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I still had the same attitude about things, and I still looked at things and thought like, yeah, well, you know, if I want to go smoke or whatever, I, like that's cool and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on some level, I think I still. I still think my idea of like what was cool was built around that sort of breaking the rules kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, like I was a pretty tame kid. Yeah. Wow. And uh, so, it was the camp itself. Um, I meant to ask if it was vo- was it voluntary? Like your parents had to like sign a paper that like they voluntarily dropped you off there for a week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it so, wasn't like the school says you got to do it. And no, no. The way yeah. that it was presented was uh, was basically they talked to my mom and they said like, hey, you know, if you want to send your kid to this thing that we think is going to be good for him, like it's free. Yeah. Um, and she was all about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was totally voluntary though. Yeah. Did. Uh, I like reflecting back on it now. Do do you think your mom felt like it had a positive impact on you, a negative impact, or like? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like we were all such latchkey kids. I don't think she was really tracking the results. <laughs> yeah, she didn't have like a spreadsheet of your. <laughs> no, how your I don't. Brain, I, I, I don't think. I don't think that she had like before. a lot of material to draw on and to compare me to. <laughs> like, <laughs> after the fact, <laughs> you know, if you'd asked her like, "Has Ian changed?" I don't know if she would have known what to say. Yeah. You know. Okay. Well, that's yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Um. I know I was like definitely uh, spent a lot of time like running around and my mom not really uh, keeping track of me <laughs> when I was when I was, when I was that age. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in my family, we were all a bunch of savages. Like we, <laughs> I mean, because both, uh, you know, we we lived with my well, I lived with my mom and my stepfather from the age of uh, a little over seven, no, eight, uh, eight or so uh, until I left home, right? And uh, that entire time that I lived with them, my, both my parents worked full time jobs and my mom went to school. Oh, wow. um, so and my you know my stepfather working a full time job was like sixty hours not forty hours mm-hmm. you know he was like a hard working motherfucker yeah and then my mom was always busy too so uh, like in the mornings um, you know we would wake up and our parents would already be at work you know we had our alarms and we had to wake ourselves up and then like Damn. we would feed ourselves breakfast and then like there would be you know a, a fucking tray of uh, Stouffer's lasagna or whatever the fuck right in the freezer when you got home. Uh, yeah, it's like a note on it saying like 400 degrees for 45 minutes, right? <laughs> okay. So then like we would get home and we would cook dinner and then we would do the dishes and then like our parents would get home late at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd get home at like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Wow. So most of the time, like for most of my life, it was really just me and my siblings. Uh, the oldest person around me at any given time was my older brother who was four years older than me and mm-hmm. he was like a total delinquent himself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we didn't have anybody telling us what to do or what not to do. Uh, like... Uh, you know, around that time too, I didn't do homework. I would just ditch school for no reason. I, you know, I would like wake up and be like, eh, I don't feel like going to school today. And I just like stay home without even like, without even trying to justify it to myself. Right. Like <laughs> without no even one... trying to come up with an excuse, I just be like, eh, whatever. Yeah. And you no know? one's there to be like, no, no, Ian, you're faking your stomach ache. Like you're going to school. Like there's no one, you know, no one is there. No, for, yeah, no. Yeah, because yeah. like my okay. parents were already gone. Yeah, you know, yeah, like exactly, they'd already gone yeah. to work. Um, so like there was nobody to do that. And you know, it was crazy too, because around this time the school that I was going to if you didn't do your homework for example right like they'd give you homework every day if you didn't do your homework and you came in the next day without having done it they would give you what's called a yellow slip right Mm -hmm. and the yellow slip says uh, you know the teacher's name and your name and um, it like names the assignment you didn't do and whenever you get a yellow slip you have to bring it home and have your parents sign it acknowledging like hey my kid fucked up my kid didn't do his homework yeah. and then you have to bring it back into class the next day mm-hmm. and man I would just like accumulate stacks of these things <laughs> right and my teachers would be like you gotta get it signed like you've gotta get it signed like 
show this to your parents, make them sign it. Yeah. And I would go home and I'd practice forging my yeah, own signature. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like Melder Brothers already excellent at it. So sometimes <laughs> I would just ask him to do it. I'd be like, Can you just like sign this for me? And he'd be like, Yeah, sure, no big deal. Yeah. Uh, I mean he himself, right? At the time he was in high school and he went to school I I think he attended like one out of every three days of high Holy school shit. class. He almost didn't graduate. Oh, for delinquency? Yeah. yeah. And but you know, like what would happen is we would not show up and we would not participate. We would not do assignments. We'd just say, like, fuck you, everybody. And the school would, like, send letters home, right? But, like, who was collecting the mail? We you were collecting are, the mail. Yeah. You know? So, like, we'd see letters from the school and we'd just tear them up and throw them away. Wow. Uh, and, like, our parents were none the wiser. You know, it's crazy is, like, I think from the age of, I don't, I don't know exactly what age, but from middle school all the way through high school, mm-hmm. I can't remember a single time that my parents ever asked me for a report card. Like, they were so disconnected, like, so detached that it didn't even occur to them that I was supposed to be getting report cards that came home, right? Like, there was no... They didn't know that that was... Yeah, they didn't know that that was... uh, Actually, like, in the back of their minds, they did, but... Uh I think they were just so, like, caught up in their own shit that, like, it never even occurred to them to, like, ask about it. So, uh, you know, we all kind of, like, raised each other, and we just kind of did whatever we wanted to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as a result, like, now all my siblings, we all kind of have this attitude, this sort of, like, fuck you attitude. Where we're just like, no, like, I'll just do things my way, and, like, I don't care how other people are going to do it, and I yeah. don't care what the right way to do it is. Like, yeah. just leave me alone. Let me do my own thing the way that I like to do it. Uh-huh. And we're all kind of like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, do you feel, like, uh, like in the, in the way, like, it's you are also still, like, really independent? Like, because I've always thought of you as, a like, a really, really independent person, but... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Every, like, do, you, do you feel like in, in All most, my siblings are like that. Yeah. Definitely. Super independent. All my independent. siblings are like fiercely independent. Yeah. Totally 100% independent. Wow. And uh, so like going back to the, the camp, because uh, I wanted to touch back on that again, because that is, dude, that is so fascinating. I didn't even know those, like I've heard of those like, you know, you uh, get caught like stealing stuff a couple times and you're like, uh, you know, you're or underage and then they can send you to some like army camp i've heard of that but never like yeah, a vol- like boot camp yeah yeah where they say like uh, okay you go, you spend you know two months in juvie or you go to this camp i've heard of that right you know i've heard of that but never like a volunteer like you know let's uh let's ship you off to this thing for a week so like during all those activities you talked about you said you did like a little bit of biking and like some water stuff like did those like gang like uh like the gang like group that you built with your with your cabin did those like uh, did that like hierarchy like and the the kind of ways you guys interacted did that pers- like make it all the way into those activities or like when you were with the adults like you guys were like everyone was doing their own thing or like no, I mean there wasn't a lot of conflict when, like when the adults were around I think everybody needed to like keep a, a low profile yeah. otherwise just to to not get in trouble basically mm-hmm. because um, the way that the camp itself was organized was very disciplined and militaristic. Mm. Like, um, when we would show up at the uh, the mess hall for meals, right, they would make us all line up in this in this really, like, military way, right? Um, each cabin, everybody would have to line up in a specific order, and you'd all have to stand perfectly still and stare straight ahead at the back of the head of the guy in front of you. And they'd make you stand there sometimes for, like, 20 minutes until they were sure that everybody was standing perfectly and nobody was stepping out of line. Wow. Okay. You know? And Very military-like. Yeah. I mean, they would be dicks about it. Um, yeah. You know, but as a result, like, we'd be exhausted every day when we went went to dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was, like, garbage food. Uh, oh, of course. They were serving a garbage-ass camp food and served yeah. to, like, hundreds of kids at once. Uh, but it tasted delicious to us because we were all beat. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, that was that was kind of how that was. Um, so like they kind of kept us under control when they could supervise us, but they couldn't supervise us all the time. Yeah, I mean it's impossible. They need a huge staff for. Yeah, yeah. yeah and know, how many how many I mean, total do you, student, uh, kids of y'all do you think were there? I think there were um, I think there were like twelve kids in my cabin, maybe a little bit more than that, uh-huh. maybe twelve total. And then there were probably like eight boys' cabins and eight girls' cabins. Okay. So, okay, so it's a fair number, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah close to damn near 200 kids, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty close. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really weird experience. And then there was even like a uh, like a dance at the end of the, of the week. There was a dance? Yeah, there was a dance at the end of the week. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And how did that go? I mean... Uh, it, it was like as awkward as you can imagine. Yeah, that it's sounds pretty, really awkward. It was as awkward as you can imagine. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, so you had mentioned that, like, within a year of when you got out of that, that, like, that's when you started, you know, you smoked pot for the first time, you got drunk for the first time. Do you feel like you would have done those drugs, you know, drank and smoked pot and been asked, hey, do you want to try this, you know, crack or meth or whatever it was? Do you feel like you would have had those experiences that quickly if you had not done that camp? Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. Like, I think I had the right attitude to do those things anyway. Oh, okay. Um, so I, you know, I probably would have fallen into it regardless. Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely, uh, sort of gave me a sense of, of like community with like-minded people mm-hmm. in that, uh, these were other kids who also had shitty attitudes and chips on their shoulders and, uh, who were just like not jiving, uh, with people around them and the way things were going. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure like a lot of those kids fell into that shit too. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I mean, and when you put them, that many kids like that together, who all have that same, like, ideology, you know, that same way about them. Like, I feel like it would only, like, reinforce that ideology. Like, everyone around you is like, oh, yeah, everyone, like, everyone's doing how, everyone's, you know, operating like I operate. That's great. Like, that means that, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, yeah. it gave you, like, a sense of camaraderie. Yes, uh, yeah. Like, Re- like, reinforcing it, yeah. yeah. Which is, like, the complete opposite reason of why you were sent there. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's funny, too, because, like, I don't really know what they really... Uh, what they hope to accomplish out of mm-hmm. this whole thing. I mean, there was some rudimentary, you know, anti-drug education as part of it too. Oh, I'm sure. Um, in our like nightly meetings around the campfire, they would talk about anti-drug shit and yeah. why you shouldn't do drugs and you know what you should say when they ask if you want them, which, <laughs> which was no, right? Yeah, that's, that's what yeah. you're supposed to say. I hear. Just say no. Yeah, as I recall, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the right answer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I mean that that was that was pretty much it. So yeah, wow, man, that is that is crazy. I had no clue those camps existed. Yeah, yeah. and I, I mean, granted, I never went to any camps. Period. It was always like stay home and ride around on bikes and stuff. But um, wow, that must have been a, a pretty long week then. Yeah, I mean, I was really happy to to go home when it was all over. Yeah, um, yeah, cool, man. That is a uh, that is crazy, dude. I, I guess I uh, I'm glad you survived that weird week and. Didn't get shot with a BB gun or anything like that, and didn't, and you didn't get beat up either, right? That was no, no. In fact, uh, I discovered I was pretty good with a BB gun. Uh, <laughs> I'm a decent archer. It turns okay, out it's the only time go. I've ever, uh, you know, shot a bow and arrow. But yeah. uh, I know how to do it. Um, it's pretty fun. Yeah, it looks like fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's harder than it looks. Yeah, yeah definitely. You got to like harder. compensate for the arc and all that crazy stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. that you you like always like smack your forearm with the the band on the bow have you ever have oh. you ever fired a bow no i haven't but that makes sense i've never i've actually never you, thought of like that. form is really important yeah. you have to be really careful about how you hold the bow and then how you pull the string back and then how you release it uh-huh. otherwise when the the string slings back it smacks you right here uh, and uh, like the first painful. time you're like ah fuck and then two or three times into it you're like ah i don't want to do this anymore. yeah I'm, I'm over it yeah, yeah. that's yeah. crazy 
Well, I guess it's good that it also you know got you at least familiar with those other uh, other skills and activities. But uh, that's cool, man. Well, I, uh, thanks again, dude. Thanks for coming over and sharing that. That is like uh, that's neat. I did not know that existed. I hope I hope it doesn't still exist. It sounds like. It's just like reinforcing bad things and not uh, doing what it's intended to do. I I'm sure there's something exist. worse by now. Yeah, yeah, by now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure they figured out a way to make that idea even worse. Yeah, definitely. Well, Ian, thanks again, man. Thanks for cool, coming man. over, uh, drinking some beer, and sharing a story. I appreciate yeah, it. thanks for the delicious beer. Yeah, thanks for listening, y'all. Have a good one. Big thanks again to Ian for sharing his childhood experience with going to a surprisingly different kind of camp. I know I was a little shit when I was a kid, but it's good to look back on those days and see how much you've grown. Tune in next Tuesday at 6pm Pacific Time for another pint and another story. Thanks for listening, y'all.